if we're not free in Christ, we are slaves to our passions. That, that there is no option here. You are, you are free in Christ or you're a slave to your passions. I hear my voice. Okay, good. You were, so either way, so we have to understand that if we are, the truth is Christ and we are in Christ and in that relationship to Christ, we have freedom from the bombardment of our passionate desires. If we're not free in Christ, we are bombarded and will be bombarded by our passionate desires. It's just going to happen. So this idea, I think, is very, very critical for us. Um, and I think also to understand the truth, uh, we have to understand how the church uh, defines that. The, the, um, in, in Timothy, St. Paul says to Timothy, the, the, what is, well, I'll ask the question, what's the pillar and ground of the truth? The church. He thinks the church is that. So remember when we were becoming Orthodox and we that question, I think Father Peter asked the question to all of us. What's the pillar and ground of the truth? And said, the Bible. Father Peter said, that's not what Paul says. Paul says the pillar and ground of truth is the church. The Bible is the church's book. But the pillar and ground of the truth is the church. And this is where we focus our identity and and our uh, put our kind of our, our, our eyes on this on the church as being the author the container the protector of this truth and um, we I was working on this with something on something else and uh, so I just read this little statement to you how do we determine and how do we determine determine what we believe what is the truth we find truth within a system based on a revelation of the Holy Trinity, Christ's incarnation, the Holy Scriptures, and Holy Tradition, and the functioning of the church, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. It's not based on moral systems that change with human autonomous opinions. The truth is not based on moral systems that change with human autonomous positions. That's not the truth. We don't vote for what is right and moral. That's not where it's found. That it's found in the church. And it's very important to understand this, that the church's truth has been proven and contained for centuries. And even the debates that are now on the floor in regard to morality, uh, even within the church, the church, the truth will rise up. We, we need to have total confidence in that. The, church will, the truth in the church will rise up. It, it has happened for centuries, right? Why is, the, why is the Orthodox Church still the way it is? Because the truth has been contained in it, and it will, it will be able to defeat the error over time. Sometimes the error gets an upper hand. Arius is a great example. If you took a snapshot of the church back in about 310, you would have said the church believes that Christ isn't truly God. Most of the people. There was a couple, namely St. Athanasius, who said 
I will stand up against the world if, if this is if to defeat this error. And so we have to get this. We have to understand that, that that's the church for us. So we can take whatever the society or whatever, whatever opinion is out there and we can lay it at the foot of the church and say, deal with this. The church needs to deal with it. That's why we're here, basically, because we need to deal with it. So uh, I want us to have confidence in that. Um, and so we run into false truth. Another Melania said that yesterday, kind of the, 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 the kind of bottom line to the culture is kind of pleasure, whatever makes me happy. That's the kind of founding principle. So uh, whatever satisfies my appetites, whatever opinion I have, I want, I want that to be the reality. That want that to, I want that to be true. That then defines truth for me. And so uh, when we take a look at the church, we see the Lord kind of raising the bar. The bar is high for us. And this is what I want to get into as we proceed, is if we don't make the discussion at the high level and we talk about the discussion at the low level, we won't understand why we believe what we believe. Because Christ is saying we're to live in a different way. When he, when he came, he said, you live in a different way. You read the Sermon on the Mount, we are to live a different way. Not the way of the world. We are live, we're, we're to live a different way. So what is that way? And purity and love are two very important aspects of that. So um, the truth. Uh, beauty. Why is beauty such an important thing? God is beauty, right? What's heaven? Heaven is beautiful. It's beauty. What's 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 the life gave to it? What what is the life that God gave to us? What's creation? What's the incarnation about? The beauty of heaven coming to earth. To see beauty. We have to understand that this is part of who we are as Orthodox people. Uh, I came in here with uh, a couple people visited this week that haven't been in an Orthodox church. And they walk in that side door and, and you gasp for air. <gasps> That's exactly how it should be. Beauty, the beauty of heaven. It quiets us. See, even when we think about it, it soothes the soul. It, it, it kind of loosens our bonds. It allows us to afloat a bit up, to raise, be raised above the world's confusion. Beauty becomes a very, very critical piece for us. And the, the greatest sense of beauty for us is to be in Christ and in his kingdom and live according to those, to those precepts and standards. That's the greatest beauty for us. There's nothing more beautiful than that. So we have to kind of keep that up here. God is saying if you can live there, you're going to live in beauty. You're going to feel it. You're going to taste it. So we have to understand beauty is a critical piece for us. Um, 
And then I think for me, the most important thing as I was thinking through this, we cannot understand the depth at which God wants us to participate in love and purity unless we are united to Christ. So how are we united to Christ? How does that happen? We're baptized, right? Those who are baptized in Christ are put on Christ. We're united to his glorified human nature. And what do we receive at baptism? The Holy Spirit. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit at baptism. We receive what? Hmm? Grace of God. Hmm? All the what? All that we need. New life. You're not even close. (laughs) Everything that God is, by nature, you have been given in baptism by grace. So, what did you get? All that Christ is in his glorified human nature. See, I told you I want to flare. That's like, wow. And we nurture that by communion, by confession, by living the life. So if we look at this, so why is Christ saying, the, why is he saying the bar is high? Because we can live like Christ. We can be like him. We're in his image and in this baptismal union, we can be like him. We should be just, so love and purity, it's up there, it's raised. The bar is raised for us. You know, I talk to people about, uh, well, we obviously discussions of moral questions about sexuality and things. Uh, I don't, if we don't start with a high bar, you're, the, the, uh, the conversation is lost right away. Right away. Because you're not talking about what God has intended for us. We're talking about kind of how we're, how we're living by our basal instincts. We need to keep the bar high. And that will be our goal today. To keep the bar high. So we can understand what we believe and why we believe, uh, why we believe it. So, um, are there any questions or thoughts on truth, beauty, and union with Christ? Those are very critical pieces. Yes, Laura. It's interesting. That's very. It's a very important comment because after all of creation, he said, and that was good, and that was good, and that was good. And after he made man, he said, and it was very good. This is my image. This is my image. So, the, the and then where to top that, he says, "I love you so much that I'm going to unite you to me in baptism. I'm going to bring you to me so you can be like me in all things." So, okay. So let's take a look at purity first. Um, and I want to start with this. Mother Melania talked a little bit about this yesterday. 
but uh, Matthew seven twenty two. Matthew, the eye of the lamp of the body. So if your eye is sound, your body will be full of light. And if your eye is not sound, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The eye of the lamp of the body, which the church would say that's the nous, where God kind of dwells in us, that eye. So we need to understand that this, our nous, uh, kind of do this again, the three qualities of soul, the nous, the desiring power, and the, if you say anger or act, the ability to act. Okay? The noose is the critical piece in the soul, and it needs to be free from passionate desires, free from the anger against uh, things that aren't going our way. And the noose needs to be kind of in control of what's, de what's desiring and how it's acting. So this becomes critical to us. How is our noose doing? So to begin with, then, how do you, um, how do you determine that? How do you determine how your noose is doing? You ever think about it? Think about how am I am I clear? Is my soul clear? Is it being driven by different and uh, inappropriate desires? Is it am I angry? Am I is my soul jumping out at uh, things it shouldn't be? How do you how do you determine that, and what do you do when you find that something in there is not right? You go read a book. Turn the TV on. <laughs> I don't want to pay attention to this. See, we we do we do a little distracting sometimes, right? Rather than actually dealing with the stuff, we actually go get distracted. This is too much for me. Go read a book. Okay. So how do you how do you to deal with this? How do you deal with a noose that is darkened? Repentance, deep repentance with tears. What else? Hmm? Act in what way? How do you act? If I, if I am, this is a very important piece. If I have a sin I am repenting of and seeing, I need not only to not do that sin, I need to do what? I need to practice its opposite. Okay, I need to take the remedy, right? Say I'm, I'm angry with a person, okay? Uh, and the remedy is to one, repent of my anger, but then the medicine I get back is what? To love them, to do something good for them, to pray for them, right? So this is how we kind of care for our soul, our news. We pay attention this way, okay? If a, if, a if, a, if a vice is being kind of laid on it, we need to repent of that, and we need to practice the corresponding virtue. This is why I think sometimes um, confession is very helpful, because a priest can hear that, 
and give you a little advice, maybe you should try this. <laughs> yes, I agree that that's wrong, and we, God forgives you, but why don't we work on that? So you get a little bit of the, you get the forgiveness, but you also get the medicine. You know, the church calls that a penance. We, in the Western ear, that here, here it, it sounds like punishment. <laughs> penance to a, a good soul is thank you, Lord. Thank you for the penance. Thank you for the medicine. So we have to get this. So it's, it's very, very important for us to see that. The news becomes uh, very, very critical to us. Um, so... Um, in the Beatitudes, it says, those that are pure in heart will what? Will what? See God. So, have you seen him? Good. Isn't it's, it's a beautiful thing in a way, and the church is very clear on this, the fathers are very clear on this, that this is a, a constant struggle for us. Some are just gifted, the saint seraphims of the world, uh, who are very few and far between, kind of live in that vision. But for us, it kind of comes and goes. But it's important that it, we, we understand that it's there for us to, to get. It's out in front of us a bit to, to get. So how do you see God? How? In what, in what ways do you see him? Where do you see him? <laughs> here, good double right here. You see him here. You see him in all things. All things reveal him. So I think if we could get that part of our life that, and I was given this by, to some, by somebody that every day God sets out a red carpet for you. As soon as your eyes open, he lays out a red carpet for you to experience him, to be with him. And the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is you go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's what I do. <laughs> So, but you, we have to understand that this, this is how God is, it, whatever comes to us is going to be there from God to allow us to experience him, to, to one, he may, this day may be a day where he shows us some of our sinfulness, some of our, or our weaknesses. And so today may be a day we repent. This day may be a day where he shows us past joys, memories, so we, we can taste and, and be grateful for all that he has done for us. It may be a day where it's kind of a combination of things, joy and sorrow, up and down, but unless we get this idea that that red carpet is there for us every day uh, and that it's there to experience him, that we lose so much of the blessing God can give to us. You know, it's, I'm, I'm not a people person, generally. I like being with people to a degree. <laughs> but I, re I feel 
I can feel full, <laughs> and it's like, it's, that's it. That's it. Day's over. Day's over. And, but God has given me, by his grace, this, uh, well, it is by his grace. I've, I've really begun to appreciate and, and to, to a degree, love all the people that we meet at St. Bridget Ministries. We have showers of blessing here on Thursday, and we have about 30 homeless, or uh, basically homeless people that come. Some live in cars, some are on the streets. And I've gotten to know them, and I absolutely enjoy them. Why? Because God's brought them here today for me to enjoy and for us to have a relationship. Dwayne, you remember this. You've, you've worked at St. Bridget's in Isla Vista. And this was, it's just like this is something, it's like this is a beautiful part of God's day for us to experience his image in these people, tattered or torn or however they're living, but and watch them, watch them begin to encourage us. You know, when Kevin passed away, they, I'd, I'd say half of that population knew it and they all came up to me and hugged me. And this one lady, Candy, who's just a beautiful woman, every time she sees me, she hugs me like she's my mother. See, God. God in, in all things. So I think we have to kind of get that, that for us to see him. We see him in the church. We see him in everyday life. We see him in relationships. So let's kind of get that. See, where do we see him? Let's pay attention. Open our eyes. Um, and then to be pure in heart is to be free from all wickedness. It's a pretty hard word, but I think it's an important word. <laughs> um, all our kind of sinful inclinations and motivations, we have to be aware of those things. And I think it's very important to be aware of them. Where, where am I? sinfully motivated where are my sinful leanings okay i need to know that because i need to design a life that leans the other direction if i've got a problem with stuff i watch on the internet i need to lean my life the other way okay. i need to find a way to lean it away from that issue if i have a life that leans toward uh, evil and vicious thoughts against people that I don't like. <laughs> I need to lean my life the other way. I need to know my leanings so I can begin to design a life that doesn't do that. I need to begin to pray for those people, right? I need to, if I've got problems with the, with, with the internet, I need to have, I need to be on it only at certain times and in a room with other people. Okay? If, if, I wa if I'm watching something on the TV and I shouldn't be watching it, I need to know that I have an inclination toward that. It was so, uh, oh gosh, forgive me. But I was watching something on TV that I didn't think it was that bad. And my daughter, my granddaughter Lucy was in the house and she walked in the room and I clicked it off. <laughs> Whoa, that is not good. 
that if I can't sit and watch something with my granddaughter, I shouldn't be watching it. It was, it was kind of a violent thing. It was kind of a weird thing, but it was something that she shouldn't be watching. <laughs> like, well, I, you can't watch it, but I can. And I think that we've got to learn that we are inclined that way. So I've got to be very careful of what I click on and off on the television set. So we have to understand our leanings and design a life that kind of frees us from all those things. Um, and so how do we, how would we then determine that we're leaning in the right direction, that we're doing the right things, we're thinking the right things and we're saying the right things? How would we determine that? I'm going to give you a very important key here that you're going to have to fight and struggle to get the answer. I like to do this with people. I like to do this. How do you determine if you're leaning in the right direction with your thoughts, your words, and your deeds? How do you determine that? There's, we have, actually, we have a Orthodox app now on the phone that uh, <laughs> yeah Michael I'll show you this uh, app here <laughs> how do you determine this this is such a bit Mother Victoria gave you this so I'm not I'm going to pass something on to you that she gave to me it's in your heart We need to have a prayerful sense about us. Your conscience will help. You need to be aware that you're and pay attention to what your conscience is saying. You already got it. Your peace. You're at peace. When you're at peace, when our hearts are at peace with what we're saying what's coming out of our mouth. And you know when that's not happening, right? My conversation is not matching peace in my soul. I need to be very careful of what I'm saying. You know, that's why gossip is such not a good thing. Because you feel it. You walk away and you feel, oh, somehow we were talking about somebody and we shouldn't have been talking about it that way and I feel dirty. I feel, ugh. I, I was robbed somehow. And the sad thing about gossip is that we've given it to other people. We've got to be careful of that. So what I say is a piece. What about my actions? Do I determine my actions by that? How I'm acting? Is my soul at peace by all the things I'm doing during the day? My words, my actions are all keeping my soul at peace, keeping my noose free from evil passions. What about, and the most difficult thing, is what about your thoughts? Are those thoughts keeping your soul at peace? That's one of the great uh, efforts that I think we can make using the Jesus prayer. Because if you can pray that prayer when those thoughts come in and keep praying it until they go away, the prayer, Christ will defeat those thoughts. You may have to be very vigilant 
and repeat time after time that those thoughts, you have to defeat them, but Christ will defeat them for you. So we have to understand that. Um, um, so P, very critical for us. Uh, we need to have worthy interests. So let me just read this for you quickly and then... Uh, little bit out of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And on to verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek him that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. Verses 7 and 8. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, will I seek. Verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So are these, are these our interests? Do we kind of, in a sense, get up with this idea that uh, I desire the light of God? I'm looking forward today to the light of my salvation. I'm I am completely dependent on his strength this day. Do you desire just one thing, one thing to seek him today? One thing? That's my desire today is to seek Christ. And to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To hear his voice and to seek his face. To wait on him. See, I think we need to cultivate that desire, and I would encourage you to cultivate it every morning. In your prayers, when you, even if it's a simple Lord's Prayer, if you kind of let your life be focused on that direction, Lord, show me your face today. Show me your beauty today. I want to seek that. I want that to be my first desire. I want to pay attention to those things. So holy interests. We have to kind of keep ourselves out there like that. And then uh, finally, for purity, the, the mother of God is kind of our, our icon. Christ is the icon of purity, but he, uh, our human icon, if you could say it that way, um, is her. And so for, to, for us, what, what is she, describe her purity to me from, from, from your perspective to her, looking at her, saying, what do I see in her life uh, that, that I can emulate? What are the examples I have from her life that I can 
emulate, that I can take upon myself. Hmm? Obedience, patience, humility. Those are three pretty, what else do we see? Patience, trust. You know, you think about those moments when she saw her son dying. And like, I ju- this can't be happening. This cannot be happening. She's the son of God. This is not happening. I mean, her torment for those three days just was patient. But she knew, she knew that this would, this would be, this would be reconciled somehow because this wasn't going to happen. The way they were designing it to happen, to take his life. Her love. What else about her? Purity. Her her pureness. It's interesting, you know, when you read the life of the mother of God, there's a beautiful book called Life of the Mother of God. You see that she was visited many times by the apostles. They came to find her. I need to talk to you, mother. (laughs) I need some help. And at her death, I mean, they all were miraculously transported through her gracefully, through her bed, through her deathbed. So she had that beautiful quality to her to be mother. So for us, and I would just encourage you this, find a prayer that you love, that you pray every day to her. Pray every day to her. Don't miss it. Even if it's a simple one. Even that. There's a couple very beautiful prayers. If you want some, I can find some for you. I've got one that I just absolutely love. Uh, but it's pretty long. But it's very beautiful. Um, but we need to pray to her every day. Why am I saying that? Because that's one of the check boxes you have to have in your Orthodox checkbox. One prayer to the Mother of God. Okay. That's not why I'm saying that. Why am I saying that? I want you to get to know her. I want you to get to know her. I want you to have a relationship. It's, it's a, it's a, then you'll get it. Then we'll get there. We'll get it. But you have to pray to her. You have to ask her to help you, to be with you, to pray for you. If, if we can do this, then she, a relationship with her, will begin to develop and we'll get it. We'll get obedience. We'll get purity. We'll get love. We'll get courage because we'll get it from her. She'll help us with this. So we need to to understand how important this is, a relationship with her because those virtues that she has we will begin to understand and they will be, in a sense, we'll we'll get them in relationship. We'll get them in relationship. So, um, very, very critical for us. So, purity, I think, to see God, freedom from all wickedness, worthy interests, and a relationship with the mother of God. I think those will help us.